Good evening and Merry Christmas. My name is Spencer Gross. I'm the lead pastor here at St. Stephen's. And what a joyous celebration this is to gather together, celebrating the birth of our Savior, the light of Christ entering into the world. Oftentimes we think of the Christmas story as one story. Um, there are at least, there are multiple tellings of that story. What the first we'll start with tonight is the most familiar. It's from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angels said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The word of God for us, the people of God. Amen. And now from John's gospel, we hear the Christmas story, but from a cosmic perspective. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And once again, the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. 
these two different scripture passages give us two different perspectives on the events of the birth of Christ. John paints for us this very real picture of the event as it happens, at least from, uh, we get some highlights from it nonetheless. However, as John writes his gospel, his good news, he's had time to ponder upon the meanings of all the events of Jesus' life, including his birth, um, death, and resurrection. So he approaches the stories of Jesus, some would say from a more spiritual perspective. And even the birth story is such. So tonight we're going to take a look at the birth of Christ for a little bit from both of these perspectives. First from the ground level and then from the cosmic level. First, the ground level view. We get this real, it starts as a very basic story. It gives us a place, it gives us a timing, it gives us a reason. It's almost, um, in some ways, what English teachers would tell you how prompts for writing a story. The who, what, when, where, and how of the matter. We get this couple who have to go to this place because of the uh, governor's cry or not call for a census everybody go to your family's ancestral homes and so that we know who we have and from what family lines and all of the connectedness it places the birth of Christ in history and it reminds us that it's not just a story it's an old story yes it's 2000 some years old but it grounds the birth of Christ in history and it sets the stage of the humble birth in light of the call of the governor, in light of his um, being under the Roman rule. So we begin our story with the Holy Family responding to the call and preparing to journey to Bethlehem. From what we understand, that's about a 90-mile trip on foot, perhaps on donkey back, as we see displayed in our nativities and sung about in songs. We don't have that in text, but it sounds good and looks good. But 90 miles, that's like traveling south to Richmond on foot or north to York, Pennsylvania. I couldn't find a bigger place north that was about 90 miles. Wilmington's about 110, but anyway, it gets us close. That's a journey that none of us want to take. And I'm, I feel pretty certain that an eight-and-a-half-month woman doesn't want to take that trip either. But that's the picture that Luke paints for us. That's the image that we have in front of us of the Holy Family responding to this, this government call to go to this place that is not conveniently timed or located, but the location is still significant. Bethlehem. It is the city of David. Jesus was to be born of the family of David. His line would continue. His rule would be perfect. And it's part of the promises made in the Old Testament from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that this would be the birthplace of the Messiah. And even the name of the town has meaning. It means 
house of bread. And Jesus would say later on in his life, I am the bread of life. This was the place where the bread of life came into being. This small, humble town, not a major city, only, only major because of its historical and ancestral ties to David and, and major in that sense, a name only, not in demographics. The birth of the king of kings and the lord of lords was going to happen in a small town. And so from there, we do hear a little bit about his birth. I don't know if it was a silent night or not. I'd have, I, don't, I don't remember a lot of silent nights with babies. But the child was born. and She laid him in a manger. And there was no room for them in the inn. His birth was simple. There was no fanfare. There were no nobles or people of higher rank outside wondering and waiting. A husband and a wife in a place where animals were being kept at night. Maybe Joseph had done up the nursery at home was ready for home delivery, but not here. Maybe there was a nice cradle waiting back there, but not here. It was a humble feeding trough, a manger. And all the while, Bethlehem sits in the shadow of King Herod's castle, which was built on top of a mountain that he had built just so that it would be the tallest thing in the land. Just so that he could say, look at me, I am your king. Even though he still answered to Rome, I am your king. Yet the king of kings and the lord of lords would be born in the shadow, literal shadow of this mountain. In a humble setting. In a low, in, placed in a lowly manger. But here comes the fanfare. It's not trumpets. It's not horns, it's shepherds and angels. Shepherds in the fields watching their flock by night as we sing. Their nights are, is interrupted in a way that I'm sure they talked about for the rest of their days. First, with the, when the first angel appears, do not be afraid. Oh, I think I already am, but thank you. And starts to tell them what's about to happen. And then out of nowhere, the heavenly hosts appears and sings. Can you imagine that setting? The shepherds are just there. They probably dropped everything they had in their hands. The first angel is in before them. Then the heavenly the multitude of the heavenly hosts shows up right in front of us, in front of them. And the Bible doesn't say like they dropped out of heaven or they um, kind of float, uh, flew in on their wings. The way it's described is they just show up. It's like they, a dimensional bubble. This is my, I love science fiction stuff. So it's like a dimensional bubble just reveals that they're already there. They were already there, but then they're, be able to be seen, and so they sing together. Glory to God in the highest heaven, 
and on earth peace among those whom he favors. That's fanfare, but in a different way than anyone ever would have imagined that a child would be welcomed into the world. And the angels leave or disappear, but they send the shepherds to go see that the thing that they had talked about is true so that they could also be witnesses of his birth. And they go. And I bet they ran. And saw the babe lying in a manger, just as the angels had said they would. And these shepherds who were unclean, they could not have participated in ritual worship or certainly not temple worship because of their contact with the animals and the things that go on uh, taking care of sheep. They did not meet the cleanliness laws for their people to be able to engage in such things. Yet the angels sent them not home to go clean and prepare, but go to see this babe, the Messiah, the one whom God sends, the one whose God has sent to save and show up at his manger side and also tell Mary and Joseph what they saw. It's not unlike the story we get at the resurrection. Somebody whose who's presence and who's being the first witness of such a thing would not necessarily be believed. Mary Magdalene was the first to witness the, crucif- uh, the risen Christ who had been crucified, who was now alive, and her voice would not have been found credible in their society. And the same would be true of the, she- of the shepherds of the birth of the Messiah. Yet God's not concerned about who we think is or is not credible. He sends who he sends because that's who he needs to be there. The first witness of the, of the Messiah's birth was not somebody of authority, power, or prominence. But it was somebody who was like, much like many of us. And they had access to the King of Kings. And from there they go. My favorite Christmas song as a child was Go Tell It on a Mountain. And I can't think of, of this leaving without thinking of that song. They go and tell it now. It's not a mountains, but there are many hills there. And they went and told that story to everyone who would hear it. We're meant to be messengers of that story, of the incarnation of God, of God coming into the world and being made flesh and dwelling among us so that we might be saved and that we might be reconciled to God and so that we might live in God's light and walk with him in this world. And then last, we hear that Mary treasured all of this in her heart. What a beautiful story the ground-level view of the birth of the Savior. And from the ground-level view, then it shifts, almost like in a movie when the camera angle changes. We get the ground-level view, and then we get this cosmic perspective of what happened in this place. 
with the angels and the shepherds, we get the telling of what happened, of why and what it means to the people in that moment in time. But John reveals to us so much more of the meaning behind the birth of Christ. I'm going to read it again just so it's fresh in our hearing. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning, God created. It is no coincidence that those two passages start the same way. Jesus is the word of God. In Greek, we say it's the logo. He's the logos. He's the word of God that comes into being in human form at the birth of Christ, but has preexisted everything with God the Father and God the Spirit as God the Son. And in John's, I'm sure that sounded just the way people would have expected that to read in, in uh, first century world. It sounds a little bit twisted, and not twisted, but a little bit circular language, but in the way that he's revealing to us and unveiling to us the meaning behind Christ's birth. That in the beginning was the word and all things come into being through him. In Genesis 1, it says, When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said. God said those words, that was the Christ, that was the Son, that was the Messiah. The Logos of God brought everything into existence. Jesus wasn't God's backup plan for humanity. God, Jesus was there from the very beginning. And as he enters into this world in human form, he brings the light of God's love into it. He is light, and he is life. And he pushes away all darkness. This morning, as we were talking to the children about such things, reminded them that if, if a space is completely pitch black dark, and you light simply one candle, the darkness is pushed back. Even a small candle cannot overcome, be overcome by darkness. And the light of Christ shines into the world to overcome all darkness. And even though as we experience life, we still experience the external effects of darkness sometimes. But the internal nature of them and of their hold upon our lives can be defeated through the light and the life of Christ. These, this ground level and this cosmic level views of the 
coming of Christ are tied together. They're wrapped up in one another, and we can find our place in those stories, either one or the other, or both of them combined. Whether we're meeting the Christ at the manger as humble folks like the shepherds, or, or we hear the cosmic story unfolding, even from the very beginning of existence, of time. The birth of Christ has real-world implications. It's not just an idea. It's not just a reason to have a holiday. It's meant to continuously bring and remind us, rather, of the joy, hope, peace, and love of God that the Messiah brings into the world and to experience the transforming love of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the birth of your son. Thank you for his light entering into the world. Thank you for the birth of the babe in the manger. Thank you that he came for each of us and for all of us. May his light continue to shine in the world. May it continue to shine into our hearts and through our lives. In his precious name we pray. Amen.